Hello and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short controlled bursts. I'm John Ingle. And I'm Scott Corelli. And today we'll be talking about Minute 124, which begins with Ripley and Newt embracing against the backdrop of destruction and ends with Ripley crawling onto the steps of the dropship. And that's it. That's all that happens this entire minute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is pretty much it. And I'm sorry, I wrote, I realized because you were saying it, I wrote a mouthful like opening. <laughs> it, was, it was a little purple, little purple, John. Against the backdrop of destruction. Oh, that actually sounds kind of, I don't know, tragically romantic sort of a way. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much what we have. This might be a short minute, folks. <laughs> we'll uh, give you the warning up front. You never know. So though. much we'll stuff see. is falling. But yeah. If things are falling, there's a muffler. I don't know if you guys noticed the muffler. That is, a, there's a giant muffler sitting on the ground. But that's later in the minute when you, when she's helping Newt get up on the uh, on the steps. It just looks like a giant muffler back behind there. So now we're in like the uh, land of the tiny people or something for a second. But anyway, yeah, we get so opening up. We know that the elevator's coming. Um, things are falling around. No drop ship in sight, and. Uh, Ripley just reaches down and grabs Newt to hold her, uh, presumably just to get this beautiful shot. Because I can't think of what what her plan is here. I guess there is no plan to be had, huh? It's the inner thigh strength. Yep. They had to show and, it uh, off. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was in Carrie Hen's contract. Yeah. Like I have to, I have to get that one more moment of my thigh strength here. Yeah. Um, but I I have a question. It actually relates to something we were talking about last week. But um, Chrysanthi, what year were you born? Eighty seven. 87. So you started noticing movies, like watching movies and kind of remembering them. What year would you say? Like 91, 93, somewhere in that area? around there. Yeah. Okay. So you really, you're really a a CGI child, right? Totally. Like you kind of, when you, when you started watching movies, CGI was like, you got, when you're six years old, Jurassic Park comes out and it's on from there. So the question was last week we were talking about when the um, when Ripley starts you know massacring eggs and blowing up the uh, alien queen the the throne room there is a front projection shot uh, much like we get in this minute here and our question was like all of us on last week were all uh, you know forty around forty years old or older. And we were talking about how much we love the front projection shots. And I said, I want to talk to somebody who doesn't remember when these were the, the effects of the day that somebody that really just remembers CGI and find out what they think about front projection shots. So this big shot where they're, he's zooming in or like pushing in on Ripley and Newt and the destructions happening in the background. That's real fakey looking <laughs> is a front projection shot. Chrysanthi, what do you think of a shot like, like this? this? What does it make you Can feel? Can you explain to me what a front projection shot is? Sure. It's basically the characters, the, there's a, like in this case, you would have uh, Scorny Weaver and Carrie Hen performing in front of the camera. The railing behind them is real; it's part of the set. Behind them is a giant projector screen, and using a series of reflective, um, like reflectors, they bounce the proj- projection of the destruction in the background behind them. So it's in camera; it's an in-camera effect. They were actually standing in front of a projector that was projecting this stuff. So it wasn't a composite shot like in the same way that a green screen shot is this was actually being projected behind them. So that's what a front projection shot is. It's a real projection of the effect happening behind them. Gotcha. But as far as it's a, 
as far as its appearance to you, when you see this, do you go, that is hokiest looking thing I've ever seen? Or do you say, oh, it's kind of quaint? Or do you say, that's a cool effect? Well, I think most of this film to me is, oh, that's kind of quaint. <laughs> but um, okay. sure. But that scene, I actually wrote a note that like it seemed so, it, it, I'm not sure how much it was sold. And I'm not, I wasn't sure if it was an acting thing or just, I didn't really feel that something was going to fall on them. So, you know, whatever, Uh-oh. whatever effect that had on me, it, it didn't pull it off as well as maybe they helped. So if that answers your question, uh, sure. Like it didn't, it was a little it's bit, kinda... yeah, it didn't quite sell me, but it wasn't the worst just cause Sigourney Weaver is great, but you know. I didn't feel the peril yeah. there. I didn't feel like the 3D peril right there. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I kind of wondered, like, as you're saying that, that's an interesting reading because to me, I don't think I think about the peril here anyway. I, I kind of think about this as a big stylistic shot where they're actually kind of suspending time a little bit. While the things falling around them are integral to what's happening, it's really just a moment for Newton Ripley. Like, it's kind of saying that's what the push-in is about, like that camera flourish to me is telling me, Oh, what we're doing here is we're taking a moment and he's trying to convince us that this is their last moment. You know, we're getting this idea. Oh, this is where the bond has now come full circle. They're embracing each other against this backdrop of destruction. It's over for them. I think he's trying to lull us a little bit too into thinking, Oh, oh it's a last, it's a last beautiful, but tragic moment for the two of them before he pulls out this uh, big surprise. Uh, but to me, it's beautiful. Like all. to me, having grown up, what's that? No, didn't, that's didn't interesting. Didn't feel that at all. Huh? It, that's that's very interesting. See, I think I wonder. Sometimes I wonder how much special effects. Now, this isn't necessarily what uh, why you read it differently than me, but let's just say the effect is the reason. Like, what if it is that you just don't you weren't convinced of the situation because it just didn't look right to you. Um, compared to me, I grew up with this effect, like these background effects, these uh, projector effects were what I grew up on. And to me, it was like, it warms my heart when I see shots that are so blatantly front projected <laughs> like this, like, Oh, that looks like the eighties when I loved movies for the first time, you know? So I don't know. So, but maybe I'm able to settle into the scene with the intentionality of the scene. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Uh, that could be very well uh, be true as well. Scott, how do you view um, this moment? I, I think the thing that I'm I'm mostly impressed by uh, in this moment is that I, I I think for the most part it works. Um, even if you can you can blatantly tell that it's uh, front projection, but I I do like what the front projection does as far as um you know lighting their faces practically like it it you know when there's an explosion on the front projection screen like it lights up their faces the way that it should you know um things like that so uh that that sort of thing i really like and and yeah as far as um using it in this particular shot uh with the the push in and yeah it is sort of like a big kind of uh romantic moment romantic in the in the grand in the grand sense of course um, but yeah, it, it definitely feels like that's sort of what he was going for is like he's presenting this as, yeah, their final moment. And, and I, I like Ripley sort of looking around for something, anything that can save them, uh, because 
she's just completely out of options. There's, there's nothing anywhere. Um, and I, I, yeah, I just, all, all of that just works for me. Um, I think, I, I think that the fact that the, uh, the, the, the performances don't quite match what's going on is because uh, at least my read on it is that Ripley's a little desensitized to all of this. And so she's more in survivor mode and like looking for a way to survive than she is so much concerned with the chaos that's going on around her. Um, I, I almost wonder if this would play better if we could see Newt's face and show that she is actually like legitimately petrified. Uh, but I don't know. In, in, in any event, yeah, that's that's how my read on it is. Is it's just it's 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 Ripley trying to find a way out of this situation, and I think that's why um, that's why she's a little more sort of cool and collected than you would think that someone in this situation uh, would be. Maybe if she's really going for survival. I mean, it's not just chaos around her. Like the likelihood that they die from blunt force to the head is. Pr- at this point, even sooner than they're going to die from the alien. Like, to me, that seems like it should be a lot more pressing. Come on, you hear all that stuff. It's like, yeah. it's, you know, that those things, something could hit them. One thing, one metal thing falls on them dead. I mean. <laughs> yeah, you're, make, you're kind of making me imagine a small set piece here where while we're waiting for the alien queen to show up, let's keep the action moving and make them like have to get out of the way of something like one thing falls and it's a close call. But then I wonder if that's not compounding things a bit too much. I want, I even wonder, you know, that now that you're saying it's, it does seem like a a choice that could be made, but you wonder if as a filmmaker, James Cameron's going, I think that we're doing too much there by doing that. You're right. Practically speaking, clearly debris falling from the sky is a huge danger, but is it good for the story at this point to have that be another? Well, my biggest issue with this, with this moment is all it's really doing. It's not doing a lot for Ripley or Newt. All that this is doing is uh, setting up, you know, a ba- basically an emotional window for Bishop to fly through. Uh, that That's all this is. So it's, right. it's really just setting up a, a heroic moment for another character. And that, that, that I don't love. That's interesting. I mean, is it okay? So we're definitely talking about. I think Scott, did you sit, compare this to the Han Solo? Yeah. Did you call this yeah, a Han Solo a moment? moment? So um, we get right before Han Solo. Uh, spoiler alert, everybody! Han Solo <laughs> zooms in uh, against the light of the sun of Yavin uh, to save Luke Skywalker from Darth Vader uh, as he's <laughs> making the trench run. Um, <laughs> is how is that scene different? Would you say like a, I? I'm going to tell you right now, if you say that that scene doesn't work for you. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That scene, that scene works great because that scene comes out of nowhere. And it's, I don't know, like that, that scene is the way that it's played. It's sort of downplayed actually. Um, and, and that you actually, mm. you, you see the effect of Han Solo saving Luke before you actually see that Han Solo is the one that has saved Luke. Um, mm, that's true. Yeah. So it just plays better. Whereas, whereas here it's literally like, oh, she's going to, if, if she doesn't die from blunt force trauma or this place exploding or the alien, like she's going to get killed by the alien. So something, something's going to kill her no matter what. And then just out of nowhere, you know, he comes up and it's not even like, 
Oh, it's like a weirdly paced moment. It's not particularly heroic. The music isn't particularly heroic. In fact, the music, the score almost feels like like a bad guy just showed up. Um it's 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 a weird, it's a weirdly paced moment, I think. This this dropship moment is just it's very strange to me. Yeah, I think that's good. Cause thinking through, so Luke is like hurtling down the trench, Darth Vader and and his two TIE fighter buddies uh, right on his tail. We've already established Vader taking out other, other guys, including Luke's old pal Biggs. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, right before Luke is getting very close to the, to the thermal exhaust port. Vader says, I have you now. And we're like, he's going to have him now, just like he had those other two guys. And we're lost in the sequence of events that we've had established already. We're, we're stuck there. Then suddenly an explosion and what? And then the extremely satisfying moment that never ceases the literal thousand times I've seen that movie never ceases to excite me uh, moment where it's all earned. It's all established in things that we've seen up to that point. It's all in the sequence of events of things that we're already familiar with because they were established so well. Where here it's just a let's take a moment and of repose almost and oh doesn't this suck for them and then wait a second there's a thing uh, and it is less a lot less earned i see what you i see what you mean i was just i kind of had to think that through or have somebody articulate that, that to me because i like this moment i still think this moment works fine it certainly isn't anywhere on the level of the han solo moment moment but um you're right it's not quite as earned that's for sure because nothing is really it's not really built right. up it's just like he's not here oh oh shit <laughs> Oh, he's here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think because of that, you needed to put that music in, though. Like, I think the music did kind of try to help it. It kind of reads to me like he didn't quite have time to perfect it. But, um, yeah, I don't know how one it is either. But I imagine it without the music, though. Then it would even be more like, okay, what's happening? Um, you know, okay, so it's the... Cheesy on the nose, like dramatic brass stuff, which happens. But then also as the dropship is coming, you hear the orchestra, like mostly the violins, coinciding with the ascension of the ship. So they do the sustained chord, and that emphasizes, like, the event of the dropship. So it's like, you know, it's not my favorite music, but it does its job, because you can't imagine the scene without the music. You need that sustained chord to be like, oh, the dropship is here, Mm -hmm. I get it. Um, to tell us what to pay attention to. Because, you know, everything else happening on screen is a goddamn mess. Um, And then it does sound kind of bad guy-ish, like you were saying. The percussion hits kick in. It's like that industrial sound we talked about. Um, And the pattern that it's hitting it in, it's not like Mm -hmm. bang, 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 bang. It's like they're doing it in a pattern that sounds unsteady. I mean, it's not unsteady, but it's more like... 2-4 2-4 plus 3-4, it's like time signatures changing, so you give like an unpredictable illusion. I feel like that kind of makes me feel like I'm in Ripley's shoes almost. Like she doesn't quite trust um, <laughs> Bishop yet. She's kind of just, you know, discombobulated and there's a little bit to hold on to, but that's not a part you can really hum back before unless you were saying one of the hits on the wrong beat or something. So the music does its job is, is, is the point of it. Um, but you really didn't need to have some kind of music there because otherwise it wouldn't have worked as well. Yeah, I totally agree with that. 
definitely need that some kind of an accentuating bit of music there it would be pretty flat i think just and again we're back to maybe it's because it wasn't so well earned before maybe if it was a sequence of events built up to in the way that the han solo moment is uh it could have spoken for itself a little better but because it's just i i still can't explain what the hell he's right. doing down what's he down there for what's he lower for like what's it's such a what weird he's moment doing. like that's that's i think my biggest issue is like he's gone just for the sake of showing back up again like that's the only reason yeah. that that happens. Whereas if you had built in a moment where, you know, we have Ripley distrustful of this Android, this whole movie, and then you get to a point where, you know, as soon as she leaves, he's like, okay, we're leaving. And, 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 you know, you're just like, wait, 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 what? Like you actually are leaving. And then at a certain point, he second gets himself, guesses himself and goes back. Like they're improving that he's, a different kind of Android than the one that she dealt with um, in the first film. I, I, I feel like it would be a little more earned and a little better. I mean, that's literally me just thinking that off the top of my head, there's a better way of doing executing what I just said, I'm sure. But it, but my point is just that if he had left with the purpose of, you know, fulfilling whatever programming he has or whatever, and then going against that programming and going back into danger to go get her and newt, I, I feel like that's a bigger moment and a better moment than what we are here, like I said, where he just leaves just to not be there so that he can come back and have this semi-heroic moment. Um, it's weird. Yeah, it's just weird. So it's a bit placed. I think, yeah, I think we all agree on that. I have a question. What is that, oh, what is that coiled cord hanging from the, from the ladder? I can't figure that out. From the ladder... Coiled cord there's like a, from the ladder that's coming down from the dropship. Yeah, there's like this coiled thing. Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah, I don't know. It could be uh, landing gear, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Is it like a hydraulic? It looks like a electrical cord more than a like a hydraulic cord, but it could be a hydraulics for uh, for the either the stairs or the or landing gear or something. But you're right. It's kind of oddly placed for a set. Considering it's not a real, there's no real dropship. <laughs> they had to exactly. put that there on so purpose. It's kind of a weird placement. Yeah, um, it's kind of interrupting the shot. What is it doing there? <laughs> it looks like landing. It looks to me like like landing legs. Yeah, but um, that's good. Too. Yeah, you're right. But uh, that could very well be. But why put it in the shot? It's like right there. I'm like. It's like right in the <laughs> middle of the frame. <laughs> That's a really good call. I've never thought about that. Maybe because it's happening. So it's literally, let's see, it starts at 158 and is gone right at the end of 159. So I guess it's not really, they didn't consider it all that important. But when you look at a still frame of it, you're like, what the hell is that? Get that out of the shot. But when they're building it, like they're clearly like, let's, we have a spare part laying around. Let's dangle it off. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Because the nature of this particular set is probably just the steps. And it's probably like a, a big, uh, it's on a forklift, right? So you get these steps and like something that's supposed to be the, the outer shell of the, of the ship, but it's probably on a forklift and somebody's lifting the forklift as they're getting up on the steps. So it's just a tiny little set. It's not of like a fully rendered dropship set or anything. I doubt. I mean, I guess it could be, but it'd be really hard to move that thing. So, um, so that means that the shot had to have been composed pretty carefully 
they had to have known exactly where they were going to put the camera for it. When they anyway, we're getting on wow. about yeah. this a lot, but it's kind of baffling. Like if I were lining up this shot, I would say, "Get that cord out of there." What do we need that for? Nobody's going to say to me, "Oh well, uh, it's needed for the hydraulic of the uh, of the landing gear." It's like, what? Who gives a shit? Get it out of here. It's an excuse for a sequel. That's yeah, a coil, yeah. coil. Yeah. <laughs> the movie, it's a spinoff right? movie. <laughs> oh, I get spinoff. Okay, <laughs> most of the people listening right now are like, "What the hell are they talking about?" <laughs> they don't have, they don't have like still frames in front of them. Like we do. Oh, anyway, I think we should end on that. Yeah, that's uh, the good. Coil talk. Good how, spot. Can we, how can we top the coil talk? Yeah. <laughs> or, here's Athey. You want to remind everyone where they can find you online one more time? Or wait, you got one more day with us. So again, should be what yeah. I said. I'm everywhere at Chrysanthi Tan, and if you look on Spotify or iTunes, I have an album called Stories, and I have a couple singles, including a Star Wars cover. That is the theme song on Star Wars Minute. Nice, and it's great. Uh, people should Thank listen you. to it. So good. Your album's good too. I listen to your album a lot when I'm writing. It's good writing music. Oh, perfect. I it's hear just, that from writers all the time. I feel like, yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's been really, you know, ever since you were on, we had our, I, I will say to the listeners, Chrysanthi and I first connected back when I did my one minute on Star Wars Minute. And uh, she vehemently, she very kindly but vehemently disagreed with me. It was like the funniest uh, tweet. Like, I really liked your appearance on uh, Star Wars Minute, except I disagreed with ninety five percent of what you said. It was like the funniest. Good, good oh, job. Oh, I said that. Good job on being wrong. Yeah, it was great. No, it was great. It was really funny. Oh man. But uh, going all the way back to there, and I was like, oh, that's funny. And we we had a like slight back and forth on Twitter, and I thought, oh, I'm going to see it for music. You know, I. I I listen to a lot of classical music and different, like I like instrumental music in general, especially for writing. So I went to Spotify and started checking out your stuff. And I think your album came out since then. And I was really excited when your album came out. I was like, all right, lots of stuff to listen to. And it is really great <laughs> writing music. So Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And so I'm sorry that I was like an asshole to you on Twitter. Oh, I did was, not. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was the best. Clearly the best I way enjoyed it. Be. But yeah. <laughs> Hey, 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 she was uh, she was so apathetic to my minute. She didn't reach out at all. So, <laughs> well, guess what? You didn't you didn't take one of her favorite characters and say it was completely superfluous either. I think that's what it was, right? I, I was I was very much like, why is oh, this man. Sam Wessel character even in this movie? Get her out of here! And I was like, just meanwhile, I'm like, that like, needs no. to be the next spinoff. Yeah. Oh wow, yes. how funny! I think that's what oh, yeah. it was. So, <laughs> I love uh, Sam Wessel. You okay. didn't attack a favorite Wrong character. Show. <laughs> Right. Cool. <laughs> All right, um, Scott. Do you want to let everybody know where you're uh, you're at again? Uh, yeah, just duelinggenre.com, and you can find me on all social media at Scott Corelli. And of course, you can find us at alienminute.com. All right, thank you for uh, listening today, and we'll see you tomorrow for minute one twenty five.